Good morning, church. Good morning. Today we're going to continue our study in, in Paul's letter to the Philippians. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and, and turn to chapter 1. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. So we're going to start in verse 12. Um, last week, Paul opened his letter to the church, to the church in Philippi. Um, that was Paul's church. They were partners in the gospel. Paul shared with him his joy that he found through their partnership in the gospel. As we will see as we continue to walk through this letter, Paul is filled with joy. Right, Almost all of these things, he is talking about joy, and we'll look at more joy today. This morning, as we're going to be looking at the, the second part of that, verses 12 through 26, and in this portion of the letter, this portion following Paul's introduction, he actually gives a report to the church in Philippi. He tells them, hey, this is what's going on. This is how the gospel has been adva- advancing, so he gives them kind of a, a state of his ministry. As we read this passage, you can hear Paul's excitement in his writing. Again, he's filled with joy as he is writing, and that's, that's evident in this. He can hardly contain himself. Right? In this report, he talks about the gospel is advancing. People are hearing the gospel, but he also mentions that people are sharing the gospel boldly because of his ministry. The main verse in this passage that we're going to look at today is verse 18. And Paul says in verse 18 that Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. And as we look at this passage this morning, I I specifically want to look at how that gospel advanced, right? He gives us some some reasons why he's excited, some reasons why he's joyful, and we're going to talk about those, but I really want us to focus on why, right? How is the gospel spreading? How is the gospel advancing? And then how can we experience that same joy that Paul is experiencing as the gospel is being proclaimed, So what we're going to do this morning, I'm going to read through the entire passage, and then after I read through the passage, we're going to break it down. We're going to break it down into segments and look at some of the truths that Paul reveals in this study. So go ahead, open your Bibles, chapter 1, verse 12. Paul writes this, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel." The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account." Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus. 
because of my coming to you again. Church, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this word. We thank you for Paul's letter. My prayer as we look at these words is that we would learn to advance the gospel, that we would find joy in your name being proclaimed throughout our lives and in our communities. I pray that as we look at this passage, our desire to advance the gospel would be stirred and our joy in you would be realized. We pray that you are honored and that you are glorified during our time together this morning. Lord, we, we love you and we submit to you and we thank you for this time. It's in your son's name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Church, we're just going to jump right into this passage again. The, the things that I want us to look at specifically is how do we advance the gospel in our own lives? How do we advance the gospel in our own communities? And then how do we experience that, that same joy that Paul speaks of? How do we realize the joy of Christ when that gospel is proclaimed? So if we just look at those first three verses, starting in verse 12, Paul wrote this. I, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Now, at the very beginning of this, Paul says, for for that what has happened. And there's some great debate on what that means. What specifically is Paul talking about? There's, a, there's actually a lot of things that Paul could be referring to over the last couple of years. Could he be talking about the riot in Jerusalem? Could he be talking about his two-year impres- imprisonment in Caesarea? Maybe his appeal to Caesar? Maybe the constant threats on his life as he's been kicked out of town to town? Maybe the, the shipwreck that he experienced on the way to Rome? Maybe he's talking about his current house arrest? Or maybe he's even talking about the trial that's to come. The truth is, in all of those situations, right, those are unlikely situations, those are not intentional mission trips to spread the gospel, but in all of those situations, the gospel advanced, right? God used Paul to advance the gospel. So for the the sake of time, we're just going to look at a couple things that are advancing the gospel right now during this imprisonment, during this time that Paul is actually writing this letter. We're just going to look at, at two things that are currently happening during Paul's imprisonment. Right? The first one is that in verse 13, he says, the gospel has become known throughout the whole imperial guard. So at this time, that imperial guard, they were the elite. They were also known as the Praetorian Guard. Right? This was an, an elite unit of the imperial Roman army. They had all the special duties. They guarded all the, the big wigs, right? They were intelligence collectors. They were the, the, the cream of the crop. They were the best of the best of the, the Roman empires, right? They were the ones that escorted the high-ranking officers, right? They were bodyguards for the, the leaders of the Roman legions, right? They were the few, the proud, the Praetorians, right? And when we talk about elite military forces, of course we think of Marines, right? If you, if you haven't thought of that, you should, Right? You should. And that's kind of how we think of the Praetorian guards at this time. And it's believed that during Paul's imprisonment, there was about 900 Praetorian guards. And during his time imprisonment, they would come in and out of the area that he was in. They were guarding him. He would have actions and interactions with them. And Paul is saying here that because I'm a a prisoner, I got the opportunity to to share the, the gospel with them. I got the opportunity to share the gospel with the entire imperial guard, and now some of them are taking the gospel with them as they go throughout the Roman Empire. 
And we're now seeing the gospel being spread through them. Isn't this awesome? Right? Paul's excited about his imprisonment and this, this circumstance. And this proved to be such an, an effective way to spread the gospel that I think it was about 2010, the North American Mission Board, they're the ones that are in charge of uh, putting church plants around in North America, they started something called the Praetorian Project. And you know what they did? They started planting churches next to military bases. They said, this is, a, this is an effective way to spread the gospel. And so what would happen is they would plant these churches. They did. They, they started at marine bases. They would plant those churches um, in the last, so they've been doing it now for about 12 years. There's 12 churches that are actually a part of this network. There's three more that are going to be planted this year. And what happens is these, these military guys come, they get saved, they get transferred. Wherever they're going, there's, there's, they, they plant a new church. And they said, hey, I'm going to reach my brothers for Christ. And so they, they plant a new church, and we've seen this spread like a wildfire. Here's what's actually really cool, is that in two weeks from now, we're going to have a pastor from one of the Praetorian Project churches. He's going to come and share with us. He was, he was in the Navy. He got saved at one of these churches. He worked through one of these churches. He's now preaching at one of these churches. And he's going to come and just share the gospel. Here we are 2,000 years later, and we're still being affected. The gospel is still being advanced through one of Paul's techniques of being in prison. That's actually pretty cool. The second thing I want us to notice is that during his imprisonment, Paul wrote some pretty important letters. Paul wrote some pretty important letters to a, a few churches. They've, been, they've become known as the prison epistles. Right? So obviously one of those letters is this letter we're reading right now to the Philippians. We know he wrote to the church in Ephesus. We know he wrote to the church in Colossae. We also know he wrote a very specific individual to a man named Philemon who was a member of the church in Colossae. So all of these letters were written while Paul was imprisoned in Rome right now. As he's writing to the Philippians, he was writing to these others. And these letters were used for encouragement of the church. They were used for instruction, right, and how to, how to live out the gospel. They were used for doctrinal teaching. He teaches doctrine in these letters. And guess what else they were used for? To advance the gospel, right? He was advancing the gospel through these letters. Here's what's awesome. Again, 2,000 years later, those same letters are being read all over the world, and they continue to advance the gospel today. People are still reading about Jesus Christ today. Right, so Paul was in prison. He could have just sat around and did nothing. Right? He could have sat there and just mope. But while he was under house arrest, he used his current circumstance to advance the gospel. I don't know if he knew the impact that he would have. Right? He was just being faithful to where he was. He was sharing with anybody he could that he could speak to. Like Literally, you know why he's chained to a Roman guard? Because they didn't want him preaching the gospel in the city of Rome. So he preaches to the guard that he's tied to. Right, And then he preaches to the, the next guard that's tied to him, and then that guard transfers, and that guard starts sharing the gospel somewhere else. It was a great strategy that they didn't intend on. Right? But Paul was using his current situation. He, I'm, sure, I'm sure he didn't know, but what I'm also sure of is that God knew exactly what would happen. Right, Because we serve a, a sovereign God, and it's God who's advancing this gospel. As Paul, we should also view our circumstances as opportunities to share the gospel, right? As, like Paul, we should use our circumstances. We share the gospel. We watch the gospel advance, right? This is a, a great lesson for us because too often we look at our own situations and we just mope and pout. Maybe we even go into isolation. We don't want to talk to anybody because it's so bad. But when we look at Paul, we remember Paul. Here he is in prison. He's talking about the good news of Jesus, 
right? He's talking about Jesus' death. He's talking about Jesus' resurrection. He's talking about Jesus' reign. He's saying, hey, one day he's going to come back again, right? He, he probably wasn't singing that song, but he was probably singing some Apostles' Creed, man, he's coming back again, and he's telling these guards, hey, people get ready. Jesus is coming, and he's talking all the time in all circumstances. He's preaching the gospel, and as I think about this, I think that maybe our failure, and when I say ours, I'm talking about the, the, the American Anglo ethnic church. One of our, 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 our problems is we don't really share the gospel with other believers. We're probably not going to share it with non believers. Right? If we're afraid to talk about it in the church, if we're afraid to talk about it with our Christian friends, we're probably not going to talk about it with other people. Right? We, just, we just aren't good at that. On Sunday mornings when we gather and when we fellowship and at our fellowships, we use that as a time to maybe we catch up and we talk about things of this world. Rarely, if ever, do we talk about how maybe God saved us. Maybe we return to the joy of our salvation in that moment we realize that Jesus was our Savior. Maybe we talk about what God is doing in our lives right now. Maybe we're going through a tragedy, but he showed his goodness. He showed his love. He showed his mercy. We don't do that very well. A few years ago, I was invited to go to an Indian church service, and I got there first, and I'm a very good Anglo-American Christian, so I just stood off in the back and didn't talk to anybody, right? I just stood off in the corner. My friend was not there, and I'm just waiting, and then this man just comes. He just comes walking right for me, and there's nothing you could do, right? They make eye contact with you. You're stuck, and he comes up, and he starts talking to me. He introduces himself. He asks my name, and then he says, hey, are, are you a Christian? Do you follow Jesus? And I said, yes. And he said, hey, tell me your story. Tell me, tell me how Jesus saved you. And this wasn't like some interrogation to see if I was worthy to be in the building. That's not what at all. He wanted to know, right? He wanted to share in that joy. I also think he wanted to tell me his story, right? He wanted to relive the joy of his salvation. And so we start talking, and as we're talking, he starts inviting friends over, and they start sharing each other's testimonies and how God has saved them and what God is doing in life. And here's what's funny about this. About halfway through, I realized they've heard all these stories 10 times. But they loved hearing what God was doing. Right? They loved celebrating God's work in their lives. They, they loved being transported back in time to when Jesus saved them. Right? And they, amongst each other, they relived Jesus' glory over and over and over and over Right, if we don't share the gospel with each other, we're not going to share with others. And in this situation, Paul teaches us that to advance the gospel, that we need to take advantage of all of our opportunities. Right, we need to speak fearlessly about the gospel in all circumstances. Right, if we want the gospel to advance, we need to talk about it. We need not be ashamed of the gospel. We need to share the gospel. So that's one thing that we can do to advance the gospel is share the gospel. Right? It's pretty easy in all circumstances of life. You say, hey, I never have the opportunity to share the gospel. You're a liar. I love you, but you're a liar. Right? I live in L.A. I live with y'all. You got about 100 opportunities about every hour to go share the gospel. Right? I, I think the stats are right now is 8 out of 10, right? 4 out of 5 people don't know Jesus in L.A. And you can't find somebody to share the gospel with. I hope I didn't mean to call you a liar. You're just not being truthful. Right. Let's look at these next few verses. Look at verse uh, uh, 15. We'll read 15 and 16. Paul continues this. He says, Some indeed preach Christ from, from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. 
The latter, they do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice." Right, so this truth here is that we should be like Paul. We should rejoice when the gospel advances, right? All advances. Not just when we do it, but whenever the gospel advances, we should rejoice. Right? In this passage, some people are proclaiming the gospel with good hearts. Right? They have good hearts. However, also in this passage, some are proclaiming the, the gospel without good hearts. Right? They're, they're preaching the gospel out of jealousy. They're preaching out of competition with Paul. Right? They're thinking, right, Paul is in jail. This is our chance to shine. Right? He, he can't do anything, so let's get out. Let's get out in front of the public. Right? Their goal was to, to preach to more to people than Paul is. They're like, Paul can only preach to one guy that's chained to him, so let's go keep score. Right? Paul gets one person every week. We get 10, 20, 30, 40 people. Right? They were, their goal was to plant more churches than Paul. Right? Paul's in jail. He can't do anything, so I'm going to look good this month when I compare myself to Paul. And again, he, they, they, some of these guys were trying to win the affections of others while Paul was in prison, right? Paul's in prison. Let's go steal his people. Let's go steal his sheep. Let's bring them into our plan, right? And some of these people, they were speaking bad about Paul to do that. Their heart was to have a bigger and better ministry than Paul. That was their goal. Now that Paul was confined Right? He had a handicap, and, and so they're like, hey, this is our chance. Let's do it. And what does Paul do? He rejoiced in this. He was happy about it. He was excited about it. He said, hey, look, the gospel's advancing. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess that he didn't like having his character smeared. He didn't like people talking about him. He didn't like the gossip being spread. But all of that was second fiddle to the gospel being proclaimed, to the gospel advancing, and that's what he cared about. Right? That had a higher priority than what people said about him or what people thought about him. Paul's heart was to make Christ known, not to save his reputation. Paul's in jail. He didn't care about his reputation anymore. Right? He just wanted Christ to be known. That was the ultimate desire. Paul could rejoice because his ultimate desire was to see Christ proclaimed, to see Christ known, to see Christ glorified. Right? The message mattered to Paul more than the messengers mattered. Paul was focused on what is the message that we need to speak. This is a very important word for the Christian community. Right? This is something that as Christians, we need to check our own hearts. We need to look at our own hearts because you know who the worst enemy is? Other Christians. Right? We just attack each other. We fight each other. We vilify each other over and over and over. You know, we just don't like the messenger, so then we take them apart trying to degrade the message. Guys, we've got to check our hearts on that. Right? The, the thing we should be focused on is that the, the gospel is proclaimed. Guess what? There's going to be preachers. There's going to be individuals. There's going to be teachers. There's going to be entire churches who will do things that will make you cringe. But the question you have to ask is, are they preaching Christ? And if so, you should rejoice. Right? It might be done differently than you. So what? If they're preaching Christ, that's what we need to be doing Right? And I love it when God lets me use myself as an example of failing in some of these teachings. Right? Just a few months ago, I was helping a church clean up after Hurricane Ian. I went out to, to Florida. The church was condemned. If you can look at it, they said, you can't come in. It's going to fall apart, blah, 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 blah. 
Um, Ian went right through where that church was standing, but the pastor of that church said, I need some help. May or may not have disregarded the safety rules and went in to help this pastor. And he said, hey, underneath that stage, there's these electronic boxes, and I need them. Can somebody help me? Can somebody go underneath there and get them? So I start crawling underneath the stage. I got my flashlight in my mouth. I'm from California, so that means I believe every inch of Florida is covered with alligators. So I'm under this stage. I'm going up and down this PVC pipe maze, just waiting for an alligator to just chomp down on my head. And, as I, it's, and it smells so bad. If you've ever been in a house after water has sat there for uh, five, seven days, it was gross. But I find this black box that he was describing. So I, so I pull it out, and I show it to him. And I said, hey, is this what you're looking for? He said, that's it. And he said, there's two more of them. Can you go back and get the other two? <laughs> and I thought, okay, so now I got to know what it is. Right? So I said, yeah, I don't mind. What is it? That's our fog machine for worship. Excuse me? That's our fog machine for worship. And I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I might be a little bit old-fashioned, but I'm like, a fog machine for worship? I'm going to risk my life for a fog machine for worship? Come on. But I went, right? We got more fog machines. And here's the truth is, is that church is preaching the gospel to hundreds and hundreds of young people throughout the summer, throughout spring breaks, they're on an island where this is where people come and they, they uh, appeal to them. They say, we're going to share the gospel with you. And I'm going to be really honest, church, I love you, but most of those people that go to that service, they wouldn't sit in this church. They wouldn't sit next to you. They wouldn't listen to me. But here this church is sharing the gospel, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And here's the deal. Man, if those who are proclaiming Jesus, they're not your enemies, right? If your mission is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, if your mission is to proclaim Jesus, then other people who are doing it, they're on your team. Right? Listen to what Jesus told some of his disciples, right? So they, they had the same heart. They tried to stop someone from proclaiming the gospel because they, were, they weren't with them, right? They don't hang out with us. They, they listen to different music than us. They dress differently than us. A thousand years ago, it might sound something like this. You can't put a stained glass window in a church. That makes you look like a tavern, right? We're never going to go to a church that has stained glass windows because that's straight from Satan, Right, today it might sound something like this. Fog machine? Really? Really? You preach the gospel with a fog machine? But listen, listen, this is what Jesus said. This is how Jesus responded to that. In uh, uh, Luke 49, 9.49, it says, John answered, Master, he's talking to Jesus, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him because he does not follow with us. But Jesus said to him, do not stop him, for the one who is not against you is for you. All right, church, so when we are preaching, do we take, when we're sharing the gospel, do we take joy in the advancement of the gospel? It's really not about you. It's really not even about your preferences. It's about Jesus, right? And we have to look at our own hearts, and are we preaching Jesus, or are we preaching what I like? Are we preaching what makes me comfortable? Are we preaching what suits us? Or are we preaching the gospel? Because here's what the gospel is, right? The, the goal of the gospel is to advance, so are we finding joy when that gospel is advancing? For Paul, it's all, all about the gospel. I mean, if you just listen to what he says, he doesn't even care that they're belittling him. Right? He doesn't even care that they're using his problem, his motivation to, to preach the gospel. We're not, we're not talking about preferences here. They're straight out slandering Paul. They're making stuff up. They're spreading gospel. Right? They're spreading actual malice about him. 
yet Paul rejoices. Right? His, own, his only care is that the gospel is being proclaimed. I don't care how it happens. You, know, you want to make fun of me? You want to put me? That's fine. Go work harder. Right? I'll, I'll be in jail for two years. You got two years. Go see what you could do. Do we rejoice when people are proclaiming the gospel, even when we find things out about the messengers? Maybe, or maybe we find something about the platform that we don't agree with. Maybe it's questionable. Right? Because Paul was centered on the Savior, not the speaker. Right? Paul was concerned about the gospel. He was concerned about the, the words that were being preached. He didn't care how it got out. He just wanted it to, to get out. And he rejoiced at that. Let us rejoice when people are proclaiming the gospel. Let's go back to that first point about using your circumstances to advance the gospel. There's something key in here. Right? Think of Paul's attitude. Think of the life that he lived and how it was displayed in front of those Roman guards and the impact that it had on him. He was chained to those guys. They heard the stories that were coming back. They heard the things that people were saying about Paul. They heard Paul's friends that were coming to share with him. Hey, this guy's lying about you. This guy's spreading these rumors about you. People are trying to take advantage of your imprisonment. They heard all of that stuff. But then they saw Paul rejoice in the message that he was trying to proclaim. Right? They saw his lifestyle, right? his consistent testimony of what he was preaching and his life, the, the testimony that they, they saw in him and the joy that he had in the gospel. Right? In the midst of suffering and dealing with church politics, he made an eternal difference in those that were watching him. Right? For some of those people watched Paul's life and said, this thing is real because of the way that he is living. When you hear the gospel being shared, do you rejoice or criticize because you would share it differently? Maybe you would do something different. We have to remember when we hear the gospel, we have to remember Paul and that he wasn't concerned about the method or his preferences. He, he only cared about the message. That was his sole focus was the message. He's not even complaining about his critics who are trying to, to take advantage of him, inflict pain on him. Right? They're literally using his imprisonment for their selfish advancement of the gospel. And Paul rejoices. That the gospel is being advanced and Paul rejoices. Paul only cares about the gospel. He cares about Christ being proclaimed. And because the gospel is advancing and Christ is being proclaimed, Paul can rejoice. And so should we. And so should we. I want to look at this last point. And this last point, we're going to listen to how Paul ends this section. Don't ask me why, but it picks up an 18B, a new paragraph. But we're going to start that. It says, yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not at all not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And if I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two. My, my desire is to, be, is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Right, convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. And this is the, the final point, the final part that I want to look at is that we should live all of our life to advance the gospel. We should live all of our life 
to advance the gospel. Right, I, don't want, I don't want to sugarcoat this. As you read this, you can obviously see that Paul is struggling with wanting to be in the glory of Jesus. Right? He's, he's struggling with wanting to be alive. As we look at this, and he's like, hey, I want, to, I want to be in the glory of Jesus forever starting now. And I'm struggling with this. Do I go now or do I wait? He's debating this. But he knows that Jesus still has work for him to do. Right? We know that Jesus has a plan and a purpose for Paul. Church, if you read the Bible, we know that God has a plan and a purpose for you. Right? There is a purpose for you to advance the gospel. And when we look through Acts, we see that the, the purpose of the church is to be as witnesses, to advance the gospel, to be witnesses to the ends of the earth. And Paul, and he's writing this letter, he, he's resolved that he would live for Christ to advance the gospel, that he's going to live, that he would labor fruitfully for Christ. And we see this in this letter as Paul thanks them for their gift, and then he encourages them, right? He's, he's taking his life right now, and he's encouraging the people that were sending him a letter to thank him. And you know that this church of Philippi, they said, hey, Paul's in, in jail, he's gonna die, we need a delegation to go and just give him a gift, put on a strong face for him because this is a bad time for him, you need to strengthen, you need to encourage, just look good for Paul. And so they get there and Paul is celebrating what God is doing. Right, those, those very people that were sent to encourage Paul, Paul's like, what, what, what are you guys mad about? This is a great thing. Right? And Paul's rejoicing in what has happened. He's like, hey, you need to take this information back to the church. So he, now he's writing a letter and he's rejoicing in all the work that God is doing. Paul's like, don't, don't worry about me. Like the entire imperial guard is hearing the gospel and now others are proclaiming it boldly because of my time here in prison. Right? I, I want to see his glory, but right now he has work for me to do and part of that is to encourage you. Part of that is to work for you. And we see that Paul says to die is gain, Right, but to live is Christ. That as I'm living, I'm going to live out and represent Christ. To live is Christ, and, and to live is to advance the gospel. We are to be his witnesses. So I want to close this morning by just looking at a, a few ways that we can advance the gospel in our own lives. So how do we advance the gospel? Right, we advance the gospel by rejoicing in Christ continuously. Right, that we are always rejoicing in Christ. That I will rejoice in Christ all of my days. And church, it's here that when we rejoice in these tough times, it shows people that our, our treasure isn't anything in this world, right? When we rejoice in Christ, it shows the world that our joy is in Christ. It shows the world that we value Christ. It shows the world that our treasure is Christ. Everything can fall apart, but we can still have joy because we know we have Jesus. And so we need to rejoice in Christ. By simply re rejoicing in Christ, we can advance the gospel in our own communities, Second thing we can do is we need to rely on Christ, right? We advance the gospel by relying on Christ completely, right? We rely on Christ for salvation and ultimate justification. It's not Jesus and the cross and something else. That's not what it is. It's Jesus on the cross and we're saved. Jesus did the work. There's nothing that we can do. And in this passage, Paul references um, Job's suffering, which led him to trust God and to pour out his heart in thanks and prayer and praise when he saw how faithful God was to Job. Right? And so Paul takes this and he's like, I'm relying on Christ to save me. By simply trusting Jesus, you are free from the chains of, sh of sin and of shame and, and guilt. And as you rejoice in the freedom that is found in 
Christ, you advance the gospel. You advance the gospel simply by relying and trusting on Jesus in your life. Third thing is that we can spread the gospel, right? We can share the gospel. We can advance the gospel by representing Christ courageously. Paul was told, you're going to die. We're going to expedite this process if you share the gospel. And Paul's like, cool. Let me tell you about Jesus. Right, as he's changed his guards. His, his desire was to represent Christ in his living. Right, Paul will not be ashamed of the gospel. He will represent Christ courageously at every chance he gets. He's going to tell people about Jesus. Imprisonment was shameful, but he knew that God was using his imprisonment for gospel advancement. He knew that God was using his prison time for, for gospel purposes. And this is how we honor Jesus above all things is that we care about his glory more than we care about man's glory, that we care about his glory more than we care about our own, that we love people enough to represent Christ to them. I want to share with you something that that Paul wrote to the church in Corinthians. In chapter 4, verses 3, Paul writes this, And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Right? Paul preaches the gospel, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But he also lives out the gospel in his life. He lives out the, the gospel in his life as service to others, to represent Jesus to those that are around him. Right? He represents Christ in his life, and people see Jesus, and the gospel advances. Right? Not only do we find joy in being Christ-like, right? there's, there's, there's joy when we imitate Christ, but also when we imitate Christ, the gospel advances. And the fourth thing, the last thing, is that the gospel advances when we remain focused on being with Christ constantly, right? When that is something that we do every day, we, we look to Christ, we look to Jesus, and we say, I'm gonna be with you one day, I'm gonna be with you forever. There are necessary and unfinished tasks here in this life, and they involve us laboring in order for the gospel to advance, but there is a prom- promise that is greater than any, any of the stuff, any of the task, any of the laboring. There's, there's a promise that's better than anything that we can ever imagine, and that is one day we will be with Christ forever and ever and ever. Forever we will be in his glory. Right? He has a job for us to do right now. Perfect. Let's do it. Right? He has something for us to do. He has a purpose and a plan for us to do here to, to, to advance the gospel. Whatever that may look like in your lives. I can promise you we all don't have the same communities. We all don't have the same personalities. We all don't have the same people we are connected to. Right, you've got a, a purpose, God gave you a, a, a plan, and you need to advance the gospel by sharing the gospel with those that God has put in your path, by those that God has put in your community. I know it's easier to look for the people that you want to share with. Hopefully they already know Jesus and it's not weird. That may be easier for you, but that's not God's purpose or plan for you. Right, we, we advance the gospel by sharing the gospel in every circumstance, in all circumstances, and we care more about his glory than we do about our shame or our guilt or our uncomfortableness. 
When we remain focused on Jesus in this life, the hope of the, the next fills our heart with joy. Right? That, that's all that happens. When we remain focused on Jesus, we are filled with joy. And guess what happens? The gospel advances. Right? Why, why do you have that joy in your heart? Well, let me tell you about Jesus. And the gospel advances. How can you, how can you trust God at a time like this? Well, let me tell you about the gospel. Right, let, me, let me tell you about Jesus. That's, that's how I find this joy in this time like this. And guess what? The gospel advances. And church, I pray that, you're, that you would experience the joy that Paul has. That you would experience the, the joy that Paul shares with us as you advance the gospel in your own lives and in your own communities. Right, that is our plan and our purpose, that we would advance the gospel. And if you've been in here for a while, you, you know that I think that the Bible's inerrant and I, I believe what the, the word of God says. And when we do what God says, we have joy in our lives. Right? It's not always gonna be pleasant. It's not always gonna be easy. But we know that there's joy when we follow God and we know that there's joy when we advance the gospel. Dear Holy Father, we just thank you for this letter that Paul wrote. Lord, it sounds so simple but yet it's so hard. Lord, we, we, we pray that as we read these words, we pray that as we read the Bible, Lord, we pray that Jesus would just manifest himself in us. We pray that Jesus would grab our hearts. We pray that Jesus would transform our hearts. Lord, we pray that we would overflow with the gospel so we don't have to have strategies to plan and what to say or how to say, but it would just come off of our lips and off of our tongues because we love you and we know the power of the gospel. Lord, we pray that you'd continue to transform our lives and make us more like you. Lord, we pray that your gospel would advance not only in our lives, not only in our neighborhoods, but we pray for the city of Los Angeles. We pray for the state of California. We pray for the country of the United States, and we pray for the world, Lord, that your gospel would advance to all parts of the world, to the ends of the earth. And Lord, if so be it, you ask us to do it. We pray that we would have the courage to follow and be obedient to you. Lord, we love you. And we thank you, and it's in your precious and holy name of Jesus that we ask all of these things and all of the church said, amen.